Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I think the NFL players watch the NBA during the offseason, and they watch how the NBA players behave. Well, the biggest difference is the 32 gentlemen that own NFL teams are way different than the guys that own the NBA teams. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, there's so much to get to today. We're going to continue yeah. our Blue Chip Red Chip series. One of my favorite episodes that we did last year, we're talking about the edge rushers. We're going to update yeah. that list here this year. I can't wait to get into that conversation. We have a football game tonight, Michael. I probably should have led with that. Jets brownies. Yeah, we got that going on yeah. in Canton, Ohio. The Hall of Fame game is Hall of Fame weekend over there in Canton, Ohio. Always one of the special weekends around the NFL. But, buddy, how we doing, man? This is, this is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited for today's show. I'm excited for yeah. today. I mean, here we will we will have football for every week at week. May, one week we'll have just college, but from here on out we will have football until February. Isn't Hell that great? Yeah. Now, Hell here's yeah. what I don't want to have happen. I don't want Will Hill texting me how much he hates preseason. Like I don't want to hear anybody complaining Same. about preseason. Same. Like I'm, I've had, you know, like just enjoy the games, watch them. Like stop with the. Comp- We've been complaining about no football. Then when we get football, we complain about the preseason. Just enjoy it, savor it, take it in. You know, and watch it and then keep continuing. I want to know. I want something before we start with the show. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I was on Pat McAfee this week uh-huh. and I'm just just minding my own business. And, and Boston Connor comes out and says, Lumbo, I want to ask you a question. Great. I love Boston. Great guy. Yeah. So he says, you know, they had your boy Danny O on the show earlier oh, no. and he was making his case for your boy <laughs> to be the MVP. Right. Oh, no. And so like now now they're trying to goat me. Right. They're trying to goat me, which I loved it. Right. But they're mentioning about how he could be the MVP. Do you honestly believe, do you honestly believe in your heart of hearts? I know you have a ticket on it, but do you honestly believe this guy can go from where he is now to the MVP of the league? I mean, seriously, do you honestly believe that? His price right now, I think, is 20 to 1 or even some places 16 to 1 to win MVP. But to answer your question, uh, as much as I love my guy, Justin Fields, uh, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I just wanted to get that out there. Like, I mean, at some point, like, like, can we just lower the expectations for this poor, poor guy? I mean, like, I don't know what y'all saw in the last five games of the season because I went back on my machine behind me and I watched them again, and I didn't see what what everybody's seeing. I'm, I'm, and maybe I need to go to Pearl Vision Center because it ain't there, you know. And the numbers, this QBR stuff is just insane. You know, I mean, they're behind like 31 to 7 or 14 to Detroit, and they're still trying to run the ball because they're scared to throw it. I mean, does anybody understand that they threw the ball? They, they, Their average of loss was exactly the same as the Colts, and the Colts threw it 36 times a game, and and the Bears averaged 22 passes. I mean, does, there's a reason for that. That's just not, oh, we're, we just we want to – there's a reason. But anyway, I don't want to go there. Let's go somewhere yeah. else. We start the show. We, we can go somewhere else. But I mean, I think the point that from a betting standpoint, the reason why we see 20 to 1, 16 to 1, I mean, that's all liability that's baked in because there's a bunch of Bears fans who bet on the, oh. any odds makers will tell you that Bears fans are the number one fan base that bets their team regardless how they feel yeah. heading well, into a season. We saw it once before. They already, they already, they should have given all that MVP Mitch tr- money to, the, to, to uh, Trubisky. The, the Trubisky money they should have given to St. Jude's. I, I mean, this is a St. If you're betting this guy to be MVP, just give yeah. him to St. Jude's, please. Honestly, honestly, and, and, and like, like I said, like I love the guy. Obviously, we have differing opinions on Justin Fields, but to win MVP, you can't just be like really talented or show flat. Like you have to win games. And, well, if you're and, a and the Bears, the Bears, you better not. throw the ball. You better yeah. throw the ball. But the whole thing about, and this is the last thing I'll say about Danny O's commentary. Mm-hmm. Never does he talk about how important winning is. It's all about stats. Yeah. And and that prompted me to really understand about what we wrote about this week in the Daily Coach was there's winning, there's winner, winning, and then there's winners, right? Mm-hmm. And guys that just want to pad their stats, they're just talking about winning. Winners do whatever they have to do to help the team win. 
Anyway, start the show, Femi. All right. Four minutes I wasted there. <laughs> let's, let's get back on track here. And I know you wanted to start here with what's going on in Baltimore. And this is a storyline that I wasn't really aware of until earlier this morning. But apparently, there's something brewing with running back J.K. Dobbins at Ravens camp. He's not practicing. I'm not sure as to why. If he's because he's not on the pup list, is he? He's not on pup. Is he on the pup list? No, he's on the pup. Oh, list. he's he on, came pup. In on okay. the pup list. Okay, he came and in they, on pup they, list. They claim it's. A, I mean, Melvin Gordon leaked it out that that he's kind of sitting in that he doesn't know, mm. and then you know, and so of course, but you know, when you start nine games in the NFL, I mean, you start nine games in the NFL, and you are, and you get thirteen hundred and twenty five yards in those nine games, and you carried it two hundred twenty six times. You know, and you've yet to perform and stay healthy through the entire time. You deserve a raise. I think there's no question about that. And I want to hear you defend J.K. Dobbins trying to get more money. Like, I get the fact that he averages almost six yards a carry. That's great. But everybody that runs the ball in Baltimore because they're a run team seems to have a high average per attempt. But, I mean, you, how can you defend this? I think the biggest issue before you defend this is this. I think the NFL players watch the NBA during the offseason mm. and they watch how the NBA players behave and they think they can behave that way. Well, the biggest difference and I'm going to share the secret of all secrets is the 32 gentlemen that own NFL teams are way different than the guys that own the NBA teams. And mm. the commissioner of the NFL is way different than the commissioner of the NBA and the, the, the rosters are way different. And so, as the great Uncle Jim Irsay said, life goes on in the NFL without everyone. And also, I guess you can sit in. Like, J.K. Dobbins, he's not being fine since he's at training camp. He's on the pup list. But we've seen other guys like the Chris Joneses of the world, the Nick Bosa of the world. They're accruing $50,000 fines. Zach Martin's in that category as well, getting all those fines where it's like, I mean – you're not going to get that money back. It's not the old CBA where you could kind of waive those fines after you, everybody goes kumbaya and sharing the, in the contract. But here's what Melvin Gordon had to say before we talk J.K. Dobbins. He said, quote, I didn't even know he's sitting out, but J.K. is sitting out. They're not even making a big headline out of it unless you're an indie, I guess. And they got other players sitting out. I didn't even know J.K. was sitting out until I came here. Melvin Gordon, of course, signing with the Baltimore Ravens. And you mentioned how can we defend J.K. Dobbins? You can't. I mean, this is a guy who's played 23 games in his career, obviously had the devastating knee injury in the 2021 preseason. We all remember that game back against Washington that made him miss all of 2021. But he came back a season ago, played in eight games, 520 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, like you said, the yards per attempt are really good, but he's not quite the receiving threat that we always talk about with some of these weapons like a Josh Jacobs and like a Dalvin Cook and some of these other guys that we talk about that are multidimensional running backs. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, honestly. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not sure what J.K. Dobbins is, is hoping for. Maybe he is legitimately hurt. But if Melvin Gordon's out there saying that J.K. is sitting out, I mean, there must be something to that there the way he put those comments. I mean, it's like Jonathan Taylor. They're getting bad advice from their agent. Like at some point, part of a negotiation is understanding who you're negotiating against. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta understand the opponent, right? And you know, look. I don't think Steve Bashotti is just going to cave in to J.K. Dobbins after two seasons of playing. Did they go back and ask him to renegotiate his deal after he blew his knee out? Of course they didn't. You know, he signed a four-year contract. We'll see where he does after the fourth year. Mm-hmm. This is a big year for him. Very but there's an NBA mentality that, you know, well, I'm going to just, re- re- you know, I'm going to just withhold my services. Look, Nick Bosa's got leverage, right? Micah Parsons got leverage. There's certain guys that have leverage. Quarterbacks have leverage. But running backs who play two years and haven't played a full season, they don't have any leverage. Like, who's advising you? And Jonathan Taylor has no leverage. I know he's a really good player, but he's not going to get traded for what he's worth. The owner says he's not trading him. So, like, what are we accomplishing here? Like, what is the strategy? There is really no strategy. It's stupidity. Mm -hmm. You know what this reminds me of? You remember in the NBA season, and it was like, it was a story, but it wasn't a massive story because this player isn't like a needle moving player. But remember when Jay Crowder sat out for the Phoenix Suns and they eventually traded him? I believe, I forgot who ended up picking him up, or it was, I think it might have been Milwaukee that picked him up or so. But like Jay Crowder was unhappy with his potential role with Phoenix. And they were like, oh, well, he's going to come off the bench. I think he wanted to start. So he's like, well, I'm not coming to training camp. They're like, all right, buddy. <laughs> well, we're just going to continue on. Yeah. And, and this is kind of what this is. Like you talk about the NBA side of things. Like, yeah, if you're a max, super max level player, you can do that and get away with it. But if you're Jay Crowder, or in this case, J.K. Dobbins, and no disrespect to J.K. Yeah, Dobbins, no but like he's not a needle moving 
running back. So it's like, all right, buddy, if whenever you want to play, we'll, we'll have you. But if you don't, I guess you're not going to play. You know, I think back to uh, when I do presentations, you know, one of the things that gets in the way uh, of building a great culture is ego. Right. And, and and there's a great story. And you're you don't probably remember the show. I do that when MASH was on television, CBS mm-hmm. had MASH and the first two seasons of MASH with Alan Alden, Wayne Rogers, McLean Stevenson. It was, you know, appointment television. It had ratings out the roof. Right. Yep. And Colonel Henry Blake, who McLean Stevenson played, was funny. People loved him. And after two years, his contract was up. And so McLean Stevenson felt like, I want a big raise. I want a big raise. I want a big raise. And of course, naturally, he doesn't get the big raise. So he decides, screw you, CBS. I'll go do the McLean Stevenson show over at ABC. And of course, naturally, you know what happens. The show gets canceled after six weeks. He made some money, but they killed his character off at CBS. They couldn't bring him back, Mm -hmm. right? So he killed, he blew up that bridge and he has the greatest line of all time. He says, you know, what I miscalculated was America loved Henry Blake. They didn't love McLean Stevenson. Mm. Like America loves their football team Yep. and they love some of their players. But like the great uncle Jim Irsay said, life goes on without you. And like, I don't understand, like when you have the leverage, look, I I think all the players should make as much money as they possibly Mm -hmm. can, but they got to have the leverage to do it. You just can't force your way to a contract. It don't work, especially against some of these guys who really don't give a shit. You know that they don't. Indifference is the hardest thing to negotiate against. Yeah, America loves its quarterbacks. That's why you see these quarterbacks. They don't even have to do this stuff because the owners, the general managers, say, "Hey, we just got to take care of these guys," and then they get their contracts. So it's like the guys who could actually do this never actually have to cross that bridge because they get taken care of. Uh, here's what John Harbaugh had to say about J.K. Dobbins. Though he said, "Quote." I don't know. It's a fair question about when he's going to end up practicing. He says, and there was a point in time when it does become a concern because, and he knows, JK and I talked last night. We talk a lot. He wants to be out there. He needs to be out there just like any player does. Other than that, there's nothing else that I can really add because I don't know when he's going to come back, but I know I'm going to be really happy when he does. And they asked him, what are you missing without him out there? Well, you miss JK. He's the player. You want him out there. He's a great player. And it's one less great player that you have out there. So John Harbaugh kind of taking like the political stance of like, hey, like he's a great player. We want him out there, but I mean, <laughs> we, we, we can't force him. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't well, drag him out there on the I field. Mean, look, we want him <laughs> out play. there, but I mean, like seriously, we we're used to not having him out there too. Do you ever think yeah. about that? We're used to not having him out there. Like we're accustomed to him not playing. Yeah, it's just another chapter in this running back conversation. And I'm sure there'll be many, many other chapters, maybe another chapter with Jonathan Taylor at some point later this offseason, because it sounds like the league is interested, at least according to the no. sources. According, oh, according to the sources. Fall. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I laugh when I say it, Michael. That should You're tell bite, you. Bite net line. Oh, my God. <laughs> that should we tell you that I don't really believe it. Enough. All right, let's talk some quarterbacks on the other side. We'll also set the table for Blue Chips, Red Chips, Edge Rushers here on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. 
You know, training camp season is quarterback competition season. Yeah. Quarterback battles all around the National Football League. Not as many as we typically get, it feels like. It feels like we've kind of have gone towards, all right, we're just going to name the starter. Bryce Young was named the starter by the Carolina Panthers before training camp even started. It sounds like we're kind of headed that way in Houston, maybe unless you're hearing something else. But uh, no, I, w- I mean, you know, that thing we I look at every day, it's called the live odds page. You know, mm-hmm. you can go to VEASAN and get the betting splits on VEASAN's website, which I encourage everybody to do because there's a lot of good information in terms of what the public's betting and what the what the uh, the sharp bettors are betting. Mm-hmm. In that, they have C.J. Stroud as the starter. Which yeah. typically, you know, they they don't ever couch that. Whereas in Indy, they don't have it. I mean, they don't even have Brock Purdy officially as the starter in San Francisco, which we know he's going to be. But mm-hmm. I'm surprised they haven't updated that. But they set the lines. Like in Purdy's case, I'm sure that line against Pittsburgh is set as if he's going to play. 100%. Because, yeah, it, it was two and a half when there was some uncertainty before training camp. But then when John Lynch said that, hey, Purdy's clear to go, he's going to be practicing to start training camp. Then it went to three. Which is a significant. Yeah. Like, people might say, "Oh, that's only a half point." That's a that's the biggest half point in NFL yeah. betting, two and a half to three. So it's like the line is basically saying, "Hey, Brock Purdy is going to be the Week One starter." But you mentioned Indianapolis, Michael, and we have a report here from Stephen Holder. He covers the Colts for ESPN, and he tweeted this out just moments ago. It said quarterback Anthony Richardson taking practically all the first team reps at Colts practice this morning again. So. I don't know if what's going on. I mean, maybe it looks like we're headed towards Richardson being QB1 to start week one. We eventually yeah. thought that he was going to be the guy like at some point during the regular season. Maybe it was in week two, week three, week four. But it sounds like we could be headed there sooner than we thought there to where maybe he's the opening day starter for Indianapolis. Well, I mean, look, let's face it. They're going to run the six-back offense. And they open up. And if I'm Mike Caldwell, the defense coordinator of the, Indian, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm practicing at least – you know, at least two or three periods a day to handle the six-back run game, you know, mm-hmm. to handle the single wing and to get to get acquainted with it during the summer because you're going to have to because Richardson's, he, like Jalen Hurts, is uniquely athletic. Now, he doesn't throw the ball as, a, as well, nor does he understand w- rhythm and timing and his feet aren't kind of linked to his arm, but, you know, that's the intention. I mean, they hired Shane Steichen to run an offense and Steichen had a lot of success running the six back. So to me, I fully expect Richardson to be the starter. I fully expect Stroud to be the starter. You know, I mean, on our board, we don't even, they don't have Ryan Tannehill as a starter. I'm not buying that. Will Levis is going to beat out Tannehill. There's just no way I'm buying that. He couldn't beat out goddamn Sean (laughs) Sean Clifford. How the hell is he going to beat out Ryan Tannehill? I mean, seriously. So, and, and, and we'll talk about Tampa in a second, but that one to me is debatable. But for me, Look, I, I think if you're Indy and Jim Irsay said what he said, you, you pretty much need to play the guy. The guy needs to get the reps. And then, you know, because if you go to Minshew, you got to change the offense. You become more of a of a RP, not an RPO, but a shotgun, throw the ball. Well, we saw that in Philly. Look when Philly went to Minshew. You know, their mm-hmm. offense wasn't nearly as explosive because they knew the quarterback wasn't running. Yeah, they they lost that game outright to the uh, the New Orleans Saints late in the season. There, that game probably cost Nick Sirianni Coach of the Year there because it looked like he was headed towards winning that award. But then Brian Dable kind of swooped in and took it there. But if you were the, in running the Indianapolis Colts, if you were Chris Ballard, yeah. is this kind of the like where the, we were headed here? Is it was this always the direction, or do you think that this maybe is an indication that Richardson's a little bit further along than we all thought? No, I think this was the direction. I mean, okay. look, they know they're going to have growing pains. I mean, that's not going to be perfect. But it, the, 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 the number one thing you have to do whenever you draft a player is you have to be in a mad sprint to figure out who the player is. Now, you say, don't you know that before you draft them? No, you really don't. You, you don't really have a sense. And you don't have a sense of your team, of who they are either, right? And that's part of what camp's all about. Who are we and how are we going to win? That's the two fundamental questions you've got to answer in training camp if you're the head coach. Who are we and how are we going to win? And it's based on watching practices, based on strengths, weaknesses, based on, you know, I'm wearing this shirt for from the New Zealand All Blacks, and mm-hmm. they have this term called the gap, figuring out what the gap is each week. How do we win the game? What's the gap? What's our strengths versus their strengths? What's our weaknesses versus theirs? And where's the gap? And I think that's what training camp's all about. So if you're Steichen and the coach, you know you, you're gonna you you know if you want to be the team you need to be, you're gonna have to grow with the quarterback, and you just accept it because you lose a year. He's not gonna get better standing next to Steichen. And look, let's face it, he's gonna be a running back. I mean, they're gonna probably average you know 23, 24 passes a game. 
I mean, if it's mm-hmm. third and six and you're and you're Mike Caldwell and, and Richardson's a quarterback, like you're not playing dime. No, you're not playing dime. You know, you're just you're worried about quarterback runs. You're worried about quarterback. You're worried about a lot of shit. So, you know, for all that hard the game becomes for a rookie quarterback, when he's the running back in the offense, too, it kind of lightens the load. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see it. Like, if he ends up being named the starter there, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, like, we liked him, like, you know, in the draft process. I know I liked him because, like, the, the talent, it jumps off the I mean, I like page. the athleticism. Yeah. I'm not ready to go and say this. I mean, to me, there's, he's got a lot to prove. I wish he would have stayed a year in college, but but that's a stupid statement because he got drafted, what, the fourth pick fourth overall, overall? And, he st- and he didn't have to stay in college. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Colts definitely liked him because they went ahead and took him with that fourth overall pick. Uh, let's talk about, though, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback competition. It feels like, I don't know if it's because it's Tampa and everybody just throw them off to the side since Tom Brady is no longer the quarterback, but like this quarterback competition hasn't gotten a whole lot of pub unless you've been diving into what's happening locally. And recently, we heard the offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, who comes over from Seattle, he's the first-time OC there in Tampa, say that Kyle Trask is closing the gap on Baker Mayfield in this quarterback competition. This isn't sources. This isn't reports. This isn't people just guessing. This is the OC saying this about Kyle Trask and how he's been closing the gap here. Uh, Is there a scenario to where we maybe see Kyle Trask as the week one starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Or do you think that maybe once we actually get into the preseason games that Baker will actually hold on to this job? No, I think this. I think whenever you have a young player against an older player, Coaches tend to favor the older player because he protects the football, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to start Joe Flacco over Lamar Jackson because he'll protect the ball, but he really never did. You know, we're going to start, you know, Joe Flacco over, uh, not not Joe, we're going to start uh, Was it like- Mitchell Trubisky yep. over Kenny Pickett because he'll protect the ball, but he never really did. And so that's kind of what's going on. And I think when you watch Baker play over the years, he struggles to see when people keep him in the pocket when they make him throw from behind the center, when he can't move around, gets a lot of passes batted down, hasn't been making good decisions. I mean, last year he was bad. I mean, he was bad in in Carolina, and he was just as bad at the Rams except for the two-minute drill against the Raiders. Other than that, and he threw a nine route. You know, like, so, like, I don't know where you're going with Baker. Like, Baker's problems, I mean, just call Matt Rule up. I mean, Matt Rule's probably not sitting in Lincoln, Nebraska today if Baker Mayfield could do anything. Mm -hmm. For him in those first four games, right? Like yeah. you can't deny that. You can't deny that. And so, I think if Trask protects the ball, I think Trask has as good a chance as anybody because I don't think Baker was worthy of the first overall pick in the draft, and I don't think Baker's going to be able to beat out anybody. I texted my boots on the ground in Tampa, you know, because we have sources all across the country here. Oh yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I, I, I know you do. I, I texted my boots on the ground and I said, "Hey." Is this trash season? Like, is, is this actually, like, is there some, some, some fire to this smoke here? And my boots on the ground said that, all right, here's what's going on. I would still favor Baker Mayfield. However, Dave Canales has put an emphasis on limiting turnovers. And throughout camp, Mayfield, at least as of to this point, has been turning the ball over. So Mayfield turns I, it over. I mean, like that's, and, and the number one thing Mayfield said, and I said this back on the pod, I think I was doing it with, with the great Tate Frazier. Like when Mayfield came back to the huddle at Oklahoma, if you talk to any of those linemen that were on the team, his number one thing he would say when he came back to the, I didn't, to the receivers, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. He mm. can't see. He's 5'11", and he doesn't move in the pocket kind of like Breeze to open up. So he plays small. He plays small. Kyler Murray plays small when you line up behind there. And if you push the pocket, he'll play small. So, look, I I think Trask wins the job. I don't even know if Trask is any good. You know, I mean, look, we saw Trask last, you know, and I don't think we saw. Well, how many passes did he throw? Yeah, I don't think we I mean, in the last preseason, you know, he he threw nine passes all last year. Yeah, like that's so, that's no tape whatsoever. Um, no, I'm I'm interested to see him in preseason though. Maybe bet, bet the Buccaneers yeah, in the no, preseason. I think, I, I think he will. I mean, look, the Bucks have got got a lot to prove off. I mean, they got to get. Here's the hard part for the Bucks though. Mm-hmm. You got two quarterbacks. You got to figure out who's going to be the starter. You don't have enough offensive linemen to protect both quarterbacks. So it's really kind of hard to judge them. Like we'll get into this later, but tonight, you know, Zach Moore's going to play quarterback for the Jets. And we know Mike Mackay Becton's going to play attack, but they're going to be behind backup linemen. Now, the good part is they're going to go against backup defensive linemen, yeah. too. So that helps. 
But if you have a quarterback, if you're a general manager and you have two quarterbacks, you have to evaluate in training camp. you got to have 10 linemen that have experience to play in the game. If you don't, it's hard to judge the quarterback because a play breaks down. This happens. Shit starts to fly around. You can't get anything done. All right. Let's play a little true or false with some other quarterback competitions that we have going on in training camp. We'll start in Atlanta. True or false, the Falcons should be concerned with Desmond Ritter after some of the Twitter videos that we've seen of some not-so-accurate passes. Oh, I think that's true. I mean, look, I watched all four games of Ritter when he played last year. He was really conservative. His accuracy was really uh, not consistent. He didn't want to throw the ball. He held the ball. His arm wasn't tied to his feet. And, you know, I, I, to me, he wasn't as good as Mariota was, and I didn't think Mariota was as good. So I'm, I'm, I'm on that one. I think that's true. All right, this last one takes us to the Bay Area. True or false, the way that the 49ers have divvied up the quarterback reps in training camp leads us to believe that they are ready to move on from Trey Lance and are just waiting for a suitor. You say that's true? I think that's true. I think what they're going to try to do in the summer is to put him in the best spotlight they can. I swear to God, I've never seen a guy in all my life, besides your guy Fields, Trey Lance is on my Twitter. I mean, hes they're always talking about him. Trey Lance is working on his deep ball today. It's against fucking air. He's not. What is he doing? Like, how is he like, like, it's like I can go over to Ocean City High School here and watch him do the same thing. Like, I've never seen a guy dominate a Twitter line more than this guy. I mean, this guy's odds to win MVP were like 25 to one. Didn't make a I mean, we got some idiot on our network saying that he's the 25. You know, that's a good play. He's not going to start. It's not a good play. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll give the MVP to the backup who never plays. I don't know. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe. I don't know. Most valuable teammate. Uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe. We get a nice letter. We get a varsity jacket. We'll all go to Dairy Queen afterwards. I mean, shit. Well, yesterday I tweeted it out in the morning that I was like, I don't think there's anything that I've taken away from training camp other than that I don't know what the hell's going on in San Francisco because you'll see two different beat writers and they'll tweet out two different stories of what's actually happened at a practice. I've never seen anything like it. It's like literally polar opposites. I'm they like, wouldn't Did you- assign Sam Darnold if they thought Trey Lance could be the backup. I think that's the takeaway. And that's what we had in, in, in earlier in March when we saw them sign Sam Darnold. All right, let's get to the edge rushers. Blue chips, red chips. On the other side, it's the GM Shuffle. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, before we get into the list of the blue chips and red chips for the edge rushers here, Michael, I wanted to kind of go in reverse order and start with the guys who didn't make the cut because we've added some of these superlatives to this uh, blue chips, red chips exercise here, and we have two categories, who's close and then some stars to watch. So in your who's close category, you have Josh Allen of the Jaguars, Brandon Graham of the Philadelphia Eagles, and then Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. Do you want to kind of highlight why those guys are a little bit close but didn't quite make the cut? I mean, I thought Brandon Graham at age 34 with 11 sacks and 21 pressures and, you know, and hit the quarterback a a bunch uh, that he had a really good, you know, he had a good, good season, four quarterback knocks down. I thought when you look at it, you know, he just wasn't to me. I couldn't take somebody out. I thought Brian Burns, he had 12 and a half sacks. Uh, I thought to me, there's sometimes he doesn't play to the same level that I wish he would, you know, against Mm -hmm. certain tackles. He knocked the quarterback down nine times, you know, which it, Nick Bosa knocks the quarterback down 28 times. So there's a pretty decent gap there, you know. And so I, I think that was one of the reasons why I, I kind of like put him off and sweat. I think sweat's going to be a really good player. I just think it's kind of a, a, a year away from maybe happening. But mm-hmm. I, I thought those were really good. The young players, you know, I thought I put Aiden Hutchinson in there. I think he played well last year. I think he's got to show that he can keep continue to get better. I think he did, you know, and I think for him playing in a dome uh, is going to be really good. The guy I missed was Josh Allen. I thought Josh Allen started to come around and play really well last year for them. Uh, the younger, the other young players, Josh Uche, I thought Josh Uche is going to, if he could stay healthy and stay on the field, I think Josh Uche can be a really ascending player and he's going in a contract year. I think this will be a big year for him, and I think he's going to make a huge – and I mentioned Sweat earlier. I think all those three players are really good. I think Uche has a chance to really make a difference. He's he's exactly what the Patriots need. He's athletic. He's fast. He just got to stay healthy. Yeah, no, I, th- I think – 
the, the inclusion of Josh Allen there on who's close, I think, is really interesting just because Jacksonville is going to need him to really pop this year to help out that defense because that's one of our concerns with Jacksonville is that do they get the pass rush? Can they get quarterbacks on the ground? If he can take another step, maybe they do answer those questions and actually fulfill the expectations that a lot of folks have for them this season, seeing yeah. that they're the favorites. Well, I mean, to they got to get Walker. I mean, they took Walker over Hutchinson. They got to get Walker to play better. I yeah. mean, there's no question about that, right? Yeah. They got to get Walker to right to really just get his game to a higher level. I mean, they need him to really take off. And 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 if him with Allen, I mean, I think that certainly helps them. Well, let's get to the red chips list here for the edge rushers. Yeah. And we have Hassan Reddick of the Philadelphia Eagles, Demarcus Lawrence with the Dallas Cowboys, Jalen Phillips with the Miami Dolphins, that first round pick back in 2021, Alex Highsmith, who just went to the Big Bank earlier before training yeah. camp, started there with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then Matt Judon of the New England Patriots. You know, Riddick to me should have been, I think Riddick's a blue. I only could put five blues in there. I debated between TJ Watt and Riddick for the blue. I thought Riddick was sensational last year. 16 yeah. sacks, 41 pressures, 10 knockdowns. I think he's more of a, he's a, he's the best red if there is, but he should have been a blue when you look at it. Uh, and, you know, when you look at like Judon, I mean, Judon knocks the quarterback down quite a bit. I mean, Judon may not dominate the sack total, you know, he had 15 and a half sacks, but yeah, he had 42 he pressures, 12 quarterback knockdowns. I thought he was, you know, he's playing really good. Highsmith is one of the sleeping giants, right? He just got a new contract, 14 and a half sacks. Now, you know, and you say, well, he plays next to T.J. Watt. Well, T.J. Watt wasn't there the whole time last year. Mm-hmm. And he was still, I think this is a guy that has really improved his game tremendously. You know, I think he's really improved. He's physical. He sets the, he sets the end of the line. He sets the edge really well. So... I mean, I think he's really an up-and-coming player. I think he's got an arrow up to him. I really like his game, and it, and the scheme fits him perfectly. And much like the Steelers typically always do, you know, the guys improved as the guys improved as the year went along. So, you know, I, I think he's got a great chance to to keep rising. Even though, you know, you say, well, you got two guys from the Steelers. Well, I mean, that's why they're a good defense. Yeah, that's why they're really good. You know, that's a cool thing about Matt Judon, though, is that he's one of those free agency success stories because. The early portion of his career in Baltimore didn't really have like the primary edge rushing role, but was productive. You could kind of see the flashes, but then he leaves Baltimore, goes to New England in free agency, and the two years in New England, 12 and a half sacks in 2021, 15 and a half sacks in 2022. Like, like, and this is a guy who's now entering his age 31 season. And like typically we say, oh, you don't want to pay guys who are a little bit older, and you don't want to overpay people. And usually when Baltimore lets somebody go, it's like, well, they're letting them go for a reason. You don't want to pay those guys. But Junon's been a success story for the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes there's matchups that don't favor him. That's why he's in the red category. Uh, but he gets, he knocks the quarterback down. You know, he sets the edge. I say, you know, I mean, is he the elite of elite? I think his production has been pretty good. And, you know, like to me, there's a difference between Matt Judon and Hassan Reddick. Yeah. So even though they're in the same category, I think there's a difference. I had Judon as the last guy in there. And I, I felt he was better than Brandon Graham. So that's why I made him 10. So, but I do think he is, and I could see, to be honest with you, I could see Josh Uche taking him over. I mean, mm. people don't realize Uche had 11 and a half sacks last year. It's a good defense. He had 25 quarterback hits, you know, he had three, now he knocked the quarterback down three times. So, and he, and he didn't start a game and he played in 15 games. So, I mean, I think he's going to, his arrows up. I mean, they're a little bit like Pittsburgh. They have two good edge rushers. Lawrence being a red chip here and as a Dallas Cowboys fan like I love DeMarcus Lawrence and he's been one of the leaders of that defense for almost close to a decade now how much did you factor in run defense when you were grading these edge guys because we always think about can you get to the quarterback can you get to the quarterback but I think Lawrence he really shines as a run defender as an edge guy it only has two double digit sack seasons in his career but as a run defender he's probably one of the best in the league yeah, and I thought he, you know, he was playing hurt a little bit last year, but I thought he was still a force. Now, look, he's got Mike on the other side, so that really helps him quite a bit. But, I mean, he gets pressure. You know, he plays the run. He's hard to move off the line of scrimmage. I think he's, you know, he's exactly what you want. He's a all-down player, and I think he proved it last year. I think he does, and I think he continues to do it, you know. And I, don't, I didn't think there was somebody better than him, and especially when he's healthy and humming, he's pretty damn good. Well, let's get to the blue chips. This is the cream of the crop when it comes to getting after the quarterbacks. And the one thing that we'll say is that other than one name, four of these guys were on this blue chips list last year. Like, there's been a really good 
kind of steady elite level of play for this position. Nick Bosa is on this list once again, the reigning defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons debuts on the edge rushers. Last year, he was a blue chip linebacker. Obviously, we saw him yeah. play more edge Maybe rusher this past season. Either one list you want to put him on. He's exactly. Yeah, he's a blue chip guy. Then, of course, then the three guys, Miles Garrett of the Browns, Max Crosby of the Raiders, and TJ Watt of the Steelers were also blue chips a season ago. I want to ask you about Watt, though, and start there because Watt only played in 10 games last season, dealt with the pec injury, was still really productive when he was out there. You said that you were kind of debating whether you should put him or Reddick on the blue chip list. Why did you settle on Watt despite only playing in 10 games? Because I think Watt is just, I mean, he played hurt all last year. You know, even when he came back, I mean, with that bicep, I thought it was hard. I, I, I mean, I could have gone back and forth. I think they're mm-hmm. both probably five. I just think TJ Watt is is a really good rusher and he can power. One of the things I think you got to be able to do as an edge rusher is power. You, you can't just run up the field. You've got to be able to take the guy down the middle and power him back. And Watt's got that ability to do it. Plus, he can come inside. And I think he and Highsmith work really well together. So I think in this category here, you know, it's really like Bosa and Parsons are so talented. Parsons, to me, is just one of the most unique players in the league because he can play off the ball and be the fifth rusher. He can play on the ball and be the fourth rusher. And his versatility of where he lines up, he's a problem for your protection schemes because if he's in there and they're three down, you count him as the fourth down, but where does he go? He moves from right to left. He kind of moves all over and he creates a matchup for you. And Dan Quinn does a really good job of moving him around so you can't hone in on his game. I think that's kind of what what you see when you watch him play. He's so talented in that area, you know. And a little bit, Watt. You know, even though when you watch the Steelers, they're a thirty-four concept team, but they're in so much nickel that they're really a four-three team now. Mm-hmm. But Watt can move around. But Watt isn't as good as the fifth rusher coming from inside that Parsons is. Like Parsons has that ability to be. And those guards have a problem with him blocking him because he's so goddamn quick. Yeah. So to me. And, and, you know, of course, Miles Garrett's a really hell of a player. I, and look, let's say this. I mean, Crosby, I mean, Crosby is, I mean, you know, obviously he gets pressure on the quarterback. But, I mean, you talk about knocking quarter people down. I mean, he had 21 quarterback knockdowns last year. Wow. I mean, that that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Most of the guys, like Jalen Phillips, he had 16. I mean, that's why he's on the list. So, you know, when you can knock a quarterback down, you don't get credited for the sack. I mean, Bosa had 28. Bosa had 28 quarterback knockdowns. Ridiculous. <laughs> he had 56 pressures. 56 pressures. I mean, it's insane. It's, Crosby had 47. Yeah, I mean, that's why Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year last year. I mean, he had an unreal season. 18 and a half sacks led the league. I would love to see Crosby, like, if the Raiders could ever get a lead, because he put up those numbers without really having an offense exactly. that was getting big leads and where he could just kind of tee off. Like if they ever were able to get leads, like Crosby is a really disruptive player. I remember watching him play in week 18, two years ago. I went to the game when they played the Chargers, that fun overtime game. And he was just giving the Chargers absolute hell on that yeah. offensive line. Like it jumps off the screen when you watch him. And when you watch in person, it's like, oh my gosh, like who is this guy? He's pretty ridiculous. Um, I think one thing that we should. I think the thing at point, you got to point out on that. And I think you make a great point there is mm-hmm. the conditioning of these players, Bosa, Crosby, Garrett. You know, they have to be able to rush in the fourth quarter when the game is on the line, yeah. right? It, it isn't just how we play in the first, you know, like their endurance. You know, when it, I always say this all the time. When a receiver runs a nine route, he puts his hand up, he comes to the sideline. The yep. corner's got to stay on the field. These rushers got to play. You can, and, and one of the things you always wanted to do against a good rusher was could you tire him out? Could you make him less effective in the fourth quarter? And these guys have NBA-type conditioning. They don't get tired. It's really remarkable. They stay fret. They stay. Their conditioning allows them to really excel in the fourth quarter. Who's the best of the best? Oh, I think Bosa's. I mean, look, I, I, I say it's Bosa and Parsons. Parsons is a defensive coordinator's dream come true because you can move him around. Bosa, you know, you can move him a little bit around, too. But Bosa is, I mean, like you walk into the stadium, you better have a really good protection plan for both those guys. Yeah. I think they're even. I like the versatility of Parsons. I thought Bosa was unbelievable. And Crosby's effort is remarkable. Yeah. You know what's cool is that I was taking a look at the DraftKings odds for Defensive Player of the Year, and it backs up your list. Right now the favorite is Michael Parsons at 6-1. to Miles Garrett's at plus 750. TJ Watts at plus 850. 
Bosa is at 12 to 1. You have Sauce Gardner at 15 to 1. He was a blue chip corner. And then Max Crosby at 16 to 1. So, like, your five blue chip edge rushers are five of the six guys who are at the top yeah. of the defensive player of the year odds. Like, it wasn't a hard list to put together because yeah. they're elite. You could see yeah. elite. Elite's easy to, to scout. Yeah, you, you don't need Pearl Vision to get this one here for the edge yeah, rushers. No. <laughs> we'll talk Hall of Fame game on the other side as we wrap up the show here. This is the GM Shuffle. Listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Before we get to the Hall of Fame game, uh, we want to get some news and notes from around the league that we didn't get to in the early portion of the pod. Obviously, a tough scene there in Denver with the wide receivers. We'll start with Tim Patrick, who was coming off the ACL injury, suffered an ACL tear last year in training camp, and then earlier this week tearing his Achilles, and he is out for the season once again. So that's now back-to-back years for Tim yeah. Patrick, years 2021 and 2022. It's, it's, it's a bummer, honestly. And he's it's, a good player. But, yeah. you know, it's funny. When Sean Payton first went there, I think we talked about this on the GM Shuffle here. Uh, you know, he would have traded Cortland Sutton. Now, of course, he denied it. You know, yeah. well, we're really not. And he and we would they would they Jerry Judy. They didn't pick up the fifth year on Judy. Mm-hmm. Like they would have traded any of those guys. They drafted Marvin Mims in the second round from Oklahoma. You know, he signed Mar- Marquise called uh, Callaway from his from his former team. So, like, I don't think he went in there saying, "Wow, these receivers." They, they, of course, they don't stay healthy. I mean, Judy missed yeah. games. Sutton misses games. So, and Hamler, for, and I loved Hamler coming out in the draft. Yeah, I was fast. a huge Hamler guy. Fast, explosive, four-down player. But, you know, he just has a hard time. Unfortunately, this is, you know, more of a medical than an injury. But, mm-hmm. you know, he just can't stay on the field. It's it's sad. Yeah. No, hopefully he is doing okay. They said it's a mild heart irritation for KJ Hamler. So they waived him with an NFI designation. Hopefully, like obviously like football aside, hopefully he's all good. Cause anytime you hear heart irritation, like, you know, kinda, yeah. it, it can be scary. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a tough scene for the Denver Broncos. But like you mentioned, they liked Marvin. They traded up in the draft, I believe to draft Marvin mm-hmm. Mims. So clearly they like him a lot. So maybe something like that can step up there and kind of fill the void that is now left behind from Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler, not being able to play here this season. Uh, we also, had news out of New Orleans. This one pertains to Alvin Kamara. This storyline has been going on for about a couple years now. Of course, everybody remembers uh, two years ago at the Pro Bowl here in Las Vegas, Kamara getting into the altercation was charged with a a misdemeanor charge from that uh, altercation that he had in Las Vegas here at the Pro Bowl. But he met with Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, to talk potential discipline from the league. It sounds like coming out of those meetings, the expectation is that he will be suspended. We don't know how long. I know the full, is it, is it still six games? The full conduct detrimental to the league? Is it still the six games? You know, I never know how they do that. I don't know if they just, if they subjectively make that call, if it's all predicated on, you know, what is the situation, but, but I'm sure New Orleans fully expected him to get suspended. You know, they drafted Kendra Miller from TCU. They've mm-hmm. signed Jamal Williams to be the back. I mean, the guy had 17 touchdowns, so they've got that combination of two. Eno Benjamin, the Arizona State kid who was, you know, who was at the Cardinals and then he went to Houston, he's on the roster. So one of the things is when you know a player going into the season is going to be with you, you have a better chance to prepare around it as opposed to during the week of the game, you know, he gets hurt. Now you got to adjust during the game plan. You got a next week's game plan. I'm sure they'll adjust this program through. It'll be interesting to see what Kendra, Kendra Miller looks like this summer. I'm actually, I loved him at TCU. I'll be interested to see what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what, how that looks uh, coming up here for this New Orleans Saints offense as well. But uh, that's what's coming out of New Orleans. Let's get to the Hall of Fame game, though, Michael, because we do have a football mm-hmm. game coming up later tonight. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I don't care that it's preseason and it's not going to look like what we see in September. It's football, damn it, and they're wearing NFL yeah. jerseys, so I'm going to watch it. And it's the Jets and the Browns. I'm looking at the odds right now just because I'm that much of a junkie. Uh, let's take a look here. I think the Jets are still one-and-a-half-point favorites at last look. Oh, now two-point yeah. favorites. Jets now up to two-point favorites total is at 33 and a half. But just from a, a football standpoint, what are you most looking forward to seeing? It sounds like we'll have Zach Wilson start for the Jets. Yeah. It'll be Kellen Mond for the Cleveland Browns. What are you looking for later on tonight? I really want to watch the Jets backup offensive lineman. I'm going to focus on Becton. I think it's a big game for Becton. I want to see who they're playing in that backup line. You know, Tipman, the kid they drafted from Wisconsin, I want to watch him. You know, so I really want to watch. The, I think one of the things about preseason games is you watch parts of teams. You don't watch the whole team, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to watch the depth of the Jets' offensive line. I think you want to see what Cleveland's defense looks like, how they play it, what they do. 
and move forward. So, you know, I, I, I'm really anxious. I'm not going to complain about it. I'll have the sound down because I don't want to get on the stories. I want to watch the actual game. <laughs> you don't hear the storylines? No, I don't want to hear the storyline. I don't want to hear, you know, something happened here. You know, no. I mean, I think the other thing is, too, is like, will they play Corey Davis? Like, they keep having Corey Davis on the roster making yeah. $10 million. Is he going to make their team at that as a backup receiver? As the fourth receiver? I mean, I mean it, even if he beats out the great Randall Cobb, how is he, you know, how are you paying a fourth receiver $10 million? Well, Would you rather have Dalvin Cook at $10 million than Corey Davis? I thought they would have changed those out. Randall Cobb is, I mean, he might be the assistant wide receivers coach for that team. I don't know what's going on with that yeah. situation. Is that, is that Bella? How's Bella doing? Bella's barking. Of course, <laughs> actually. She's, you know, I have my door closed, so she wants to interrupt the whole thing and probably wants me to take her somewhere. I have a house. Nobody's at the house now, so it's all oh, quiet except okay, yeah. where I got her now. All the yeah, kids left. So yeah. we're back here. So I'm sure she'll want to feel like she's being part of it all. Yeah. Well, we'll tell Bella we got seven minutes left, so we should be good to go. She's uh, going to have to hang in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, Zach Wilson, though. I was actually talking to some of the guys behind the glass here about Zach Wilson before we started recording the pod. Like, if, if he gets decent protection tonight, which is a big if in a preseason game, but if he gets decent protection and he doesn't look good, I think the like it starts That's to bad. be a it's a bad deal, man. Like right. like this isn't like a pressure packed game, but he, he's kind of playing for like some respect here, and also for just his NFL lifespan as well throughout this preseason. Remember last year, Chris Steve Lever, the kid that uh, I think that's how you say his last name, Steve Strevler. Strevler, yeah, Chris Strevler. Strevler, Strevler. You know, he played really well. He was the leading rusher for the Jets in preseason. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he they they scored points when he came on the field. That's why I think the under is probably the wrong play. I think both teams should the quarterback should move the ball. Mm -hmm. I don't know about Kellen Mond moving the ball, but I can't wait to watch. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, yes. Yeah, I mean, I want to yeah. watch him run around a little bit, especially see what – I thought he got – you know, I thought it was a little bit four-year starter in school. I'm anxious to see him. I don't have much hope for Kellamon. I think Kellamon's a one look and go. But I agree with you. If Zach Wilson doesn't come out there and move the football in this, if he gets protection, you yeah. know, because he's going to throw the ball to guys he probably knows. I mean, he's. I mean, mm -hmm. guys. I don't know how many free agents, but that kid that they signed from Iowa State's had a hell of a camp. I think it's Brownlee. Yes, I was about to every name time him. I turn around, I mean, he's on he's on the Twitter line. He's from oh, Southern yeah. Miss. He's on the Twitter line, you know, and he's making plays left and right. So, yeah, that, that, I'm really excited to see uh, Jason Brownlee for the New York Jets, undrafted wide receiver. If you haven't seen some of the highlights from Twitter, just search his name in Twitter. There's about three or four different videos. Like he made a one handed catch. He beat Sauce yeah. Gardner on another one. Like, we'll like see a lot of nine rounds. That's the one thing about one thing yeah. about preseason. You'll see a bunch of nine routes coming through. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens there with Jason Brownlee. He's the camp darling over there in the Meadowlands for the New York Jets. But uh, for the yeah the Cleveland Browns, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think that's going to be really exciting. I don't know who – I'm going to try to bet this game. i got to figure out what I'm going to do with it. Uh, well, both If you look at last year, if you look at last year, if you want to bet the game, and most people will say bet, don't bet the, you know, bet the under because unders come in. Mm -hmm. But if you look at last year's preseason for the Jets, and when they went – you know, the Jets, the, the Jets scored over 20 points in all their preseason games last mm -hmm. year. You know, they scored 24 against Philly, 24 against Atlanta, 31 against the Giants. So, you know, if it's 33 is the number and the Jets score in the preseason, you know, you got to say that. And Cleveland, okay, Cleveland last preseason, same thing. Cleveland's preseason scored third, 24, 20, and 20. Yeah. So you, you feel like both teams will, will, will try to score. And, you know, and depending on how the game breaks down, you know, last year, I mean, Cleveland scored 48 points in the first half in a preseason game, which means they kind of came into it with some rhythm. Now, they only scored seven points. I mean, excuse me. They gave up 48 points in the first half last year. So when they played against teams, they kind of really weren't ready. They didn't give up in the second half. They only gave up a touchdown. So I think you got to kind of look at what they did last year and kind of manifest it through. I would be surprised if it didn't go over. I typically say play the under, mm -hmm. but I think Zach Thomas, Zach, Zach, mean, Wilson. Zach Wilson, he knows that his career is on the line here. He's got to play good. Mm -hmm. And if you can't play good against, I mean, Schwartz is going to play Tampa, Tampa, yeah. Tampa, maybe some quarters. But it, it, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be the same call. Repeat it, repeat, repeat the call. It's nothing going to be complex. Yeah. No, I think the, the, the fact that we have some decent depth, with the quarterback position, I think that lends to an over as well, especially in its mobile quarterbacks. Strevler's really mobile. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's really mobile. So yeah. if they do get into some trouble in the second half because the offensive line play is shaky, they can at least run and try to get out of it and still have productive plays. So, yeah, I think 
if anything, maybe you look at a contrarian over because we do see the under tend to come in often during these preseason games. But final thing, you mentioned Zach Thomas. What do you think of this Hall of Fame class? They're going to be uh, inducted into Canton later on this weekend. It is Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, and then Demarcus Ware, Don Coriel, and then the senior members, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, and Ken Riley. That is the class of 2023. I thought Ken Riley should have been in a while ago. I thought Chuck Howley should have been. He was the only yeah. last guy to win an MVP yeah. on a losing team in a Super Bowl. I thought he should have been in long ago. Uh, you know, I think Revis is a no-brainer. I think Joe Thomas is a no-brainer. I think the other ones, I think DeMarcus Ware, uh, that one, to me, on the edge, uh, Zach Thomas made a lot of tackles. I didn't just didn't feel like Zach was, I think Zach's a really good player. I think part of the issue with the Hall of Fame is what Dion says, and this is what I wrote about in my book, Football Done Right, is there's a category, you have to have categories. Like mm-hmm. Revis is in an elite category. You know, uh, I didn't put Joe Thomas in my top 100 players, but I think he would have been in consideration, certainly for that. I mean, the guy played well for a long time in the career, in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, he's more, you know, he played a long career. Tony Baselli only played, what, eight years? And he got in the Hall yeah, of Fame. I think Baselli was, that, that I think Baselli had a Hall of Fame talent. He didn't have a Hall of Fame career. Exactly. That's me personally. Uh, but, you know, they're letting guys in. Coriel. I thought he belonged. I wrote about a lot about him in my new book. If you buy my new book, I wrote a lot about how he got in the league, what he did when he was in the league, how he handled San Diego State. But for me, I think Marty Schottenheimer belongs in. Before. Anytime you win 200 games, you belong in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right? You win 200 games, you go right in the Hall of Fame. Do not pass go. Do not collect. There's only nine people on the planet that have done it. Yeah. And until we get a criteria for coaches, we're going to constantly go back and forth on this. You know, and I don't think the owners should take away a spot from some of the coaches. The owners, if they're worthy to get in, they should get in. They should there should be an owner category, right? Mm-hmm. But I think to me, some of these coaches, I think Shanahan belongs in there. You know, and I wrote about a lot of it in my book. I wrote about you know what hurts people from getting in the hall. So, uh, football done right will be out September fifth. A shameless plug, but it's no, I was going to uh, let it, you plug it, it. It's a read. Yeah, that's coming up a month from now. Football done yeah. right. We'll do. We'll, once we get to that time, we'll kind of do. We're not going to give away all this, all the the goods from the book there. But I want you at least for a segment, people to highlight what people can get from the book because yeah. we've talked about it in the past. But just to let folks know, hey, like this yeah, is coming. I, I wrote up a hundred players. I wrote up all the coaches, and I try to tell a story about each player that's different than something you might have read. Because how many times can you say Darrell Revis has great quickness? You know, how many times can you say that? So I wanted okay. to share something about the player. Today I learned that Tom Brady is accurate. (laughs) That does it for the podcast. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vs. And thank you to you, Michael. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bogle, with us on the one suit. Thank you to Bella. Right now, I gotta run. Bella Bella made an appearance as well. Thank you to all of you guys. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you on Monday. This is the GM Shuffle.